Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. How you doing? I apologize for being two minutes late. I was busy trying to find something to eat um, really quick because I was, prior to that, preparing for the show. I think I have to start getting up earlier on Saturday mornings to ensure that I'm up and ready and got all this stuff done, you know? I'll tell you, it's it's not easy being me. It's groovy being me, but it is just not easy. So today, we have two special guests coming on. We have someone visiting us from Orlando to to, um, discuss Pulse. She's going to just give us an update of the climate of what's going on um, in Florida and within our community, that being the Black community, the LGBT community, maybe she can touch on that. I'm not really sure, but um, she she's going to talk to us for a little bit. And then we have the stunningly gorgeous and very, very sexy Miss um, Stacey Branchet. I believe that's the way you pronounce her name. I like that. So, um, And we're going to listen to some of her music, discuss her new book, and, you know, it's just going to be a good time. So... I'm looking forward to this show, and I believe I want to start off with is a serious throwback, Roberta Fleck and Donnie Hathaway, with The Closer I Get to You. 
Child of the 70s, born and raised that way. And actually, honestly, listening to Miss Branche's music, you know, in preparation for the show just kind of got me in this romantical mood. And plus, not only that, let me see if I have it uploaded before I start talking about it. But one thing I do not believe in doing is texting and driving. If you do that, cut it out. Don't do it. It's not a good thing, right? So, 
<laughs> With that being said, I don't believe in texting and driving. I give Cheryl a hard time about that all the time. She texts. I'm like, don't do that. Don't stop it. You're going to get us killed, right? Um, but yesterday I was driving to work and on my iPod, this song that I wrote actually about Cheryl and then I had her recorded and then because the song was missing something, something was wrong. So I ended up doing a little rap version in the middle of it. Um, it, it, it just, I don't know. It came on my iPad, my iPod as I was driving and I ended up doing a live video while I was driving, which is so contrary to how I am in real life. But I was so overcome with love. I just wanted to share with the world how much I love Charlotte. It's crazy. And um, when she saw it, she was like, I cannot believe you did that. I was like, well, you know, I was overcoming the moment. So since with all that being said, let me just play the song for you. And then I want to play a song um, that was sent to me by um, a, a new a new R&B group. But first, check out Cheryl and Javon with Nobody. I mean, it is my show, so I should play my music, right? I mean, I'm not killing y'all with it. And it's also Pride Month, so let's do it. Nobody but you, no, nobody. 
loving we're making. You love me with your heart and capture my soul. Break it down, girl, cause we're out of control. You, you. Break it down, break it down, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody loves me the way that you love me. Nobody touches me the way that you touch me. Nobody pleases me the way that you please me. Nobody else can break it down the way that you do, no, baby. Nobody but Yeah, so that is 
both of those songs that was just played is uh, music that Cheryl and I created. Actually, you can still get the um, CD. It's an EP on iTunes, CD Baby. It's all over the place. We ain't mad if you uh, decide to support our music as well as everything else we do. Cheryl with her yoga, me with radio. Um, and let's not, let us not forget the Emancipation Foundation. Freeing minds, bodies, and spirits. That is the nonprofit organization that we have created, which with, with Therese, who was on the show Thursday night, um, and Monifa happens to be one of the advisory board members. But um, the organization, Emancipation Foundation, is set up to raise awareness of the commercial sexual exploitation of children, women, and men. So I'm sure that's something that you all may not be aware of, but and how prevalent it is in the United States, but I'm sure you will all agree that this is something that shouldn't be happening. So if you would like to help us to raise awareness, just go to emancipationfoundation.org. You can sign up on our website, send us an email, or you can even go on Facebook to our page and like us. Um, You know, any little bit that you can do is helpful. If you want to give us a donation, you can donate online as well. And, um, you know, it, 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 every little bit helps. So like I was saying, there's this, this group of young men who created uh, this R&B sound. And um, <laughs> the song is uncomfortably sensuous for me. And I liked it anyway. Let me just say that. And since uh, our our main guest today um, sings very sexy, silky, smooth, jazzy type R&B, um, I thought this would be a good show to introduce these these young men. Uh, the name of their group is Fortune. And no, that's not the the gospel group. Fortune that I sometimes play on the Sunday evening show. Um, but these young men have talent, and I am all for supporting new talent as well as our legends. So let's check out Fortune. The name of the song is I'm Falling. If you like the song, let me know about it. Inbox me, tweet me, whatever you want to do. Let me know how you like it, and maybe we'll play more, and maybe we'll even um, invite them on for an interview to give them some promotion. You know, um, everybody needs support. So let me know if you're interested in hearing from these fellas. Your love, your love, your love 
I reply, okay. See you're in your birthday suit. That's the name of the group. And if you like it, go to, you know, cdbaby.com, see if they're on there. Um, Go to iTunes, see if you can download their music and 
you know, it's just important to support young people when they're trying to, you know, be creative, do their thing in that way. You know what I mean? So let's take care of one another. Hi, this is Ann Mendy, and you're listening to Brunch in the Basement with Javon Armstrong.
on me, baby. Ooh, now that is singing. That was Miss Ann Nesby. Y'all know how much I love me some Miss Ann. And maybe we should try to get her to come back on the show soon because she's just a sweet, sweet lady and a wonderful personality. And speaking of a sweet, sweet personality, a wonderful, wonderful human being, um, if you have been paying attention um, throughout the course of this week, I started posting about Pulse and the massacre in Orlando, Florida. People have been jumping on the bandwagon and politicizing and, you know, communities have been torn apart and some communities, it seems like, have joined forces and stood together. I didn't know what I could do. I I felt, like, powerless, especially since I'm in New Jersey and um, not able to get out there, not able, you know, just not knowing what to do, like most of us, you know. We struggle with these things. And um, so I decided to get some of my good friends together um, who have a strong, a powerful voice and a strong presence in the LGBT community of color. And that was Monifa and Therese of R&B Divas, as well as the bishop. Pastor Allison Abrams, who married them on R&B Divas. I mean, that the one and only um, LGBT wedding of color that um, I'm aware of and the most vocal and, um, you know, I guess uh, visual, visible, not visual, but visible um, couple of, of color, lesbian color couple of color um, that I know have them to speak about this. And then, of course, my pastor, Kevin E. Taylor, which, you know, I mean, when once he starts speaking, you got to listen. But we were all having this conversation, and we invited everybody to, to listen in and talk. It was great. If you missed the actual um, recording, um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm at a loss for words today for some reason. And maybe that's because I need to just be quiet. Sometimes God lets you know, you just need to shut up, let somebody else do the speaking, which is what actually occurred on Thursday night. This lady called in and all of us who were sitting around talking, she quieted the room. And I'll tell you why she quieted the room. She had a message that came from spirit, actually, and we all needed to hear it. And she is in Orlando, was in Orlando, and was actually experiencing what was going on. And we are fortunate to have her with us today. Her name is Nikisha. She is a minister for the new, you have to say it for me, Nikisha. New creature, a new creature ministry. A new preacher ministry. For some reason, I'm losing words today. And I want to thank you for agreeing to spend some time with us today. And I, I'm going to be inviting you back again and again because it's important. Your message, not just about what happened 
in Orlando, but your overall message, the message that you've been giving to me, and I'm going to let you share it with the people. But first, I want to give you this. Thank you so much. And what, I, what I'm thanking you for is for your yes. You know, this is not a, a religious show at all. This is basically an R&B show, um, although spirit for me is in everything. But um, I had to bring you on because um, there there are the majority of the people that listen to this show, I believe, are of the LGBTQ community or have some connection to the community. And I think everybody was struck by what occurred in Orlando. And so if if you could just give us a sense of not only, you know, what what happened like in terms of what happened for you and with what you what you saw in the community um as news started to travel about the massacre. And then if you could just follow that up with how things are feeling, seeming, or looking now. Problem at all. Um, of course, just like everybody, I think else, when the news came, it was quite shocking. Um, I know for me personally, and I think I heard um, Bishop Bishop uh, Abrams and even your pastor when he spoke on Sunday. I was actually scheduled to teach um, youth ministry that morning, and so when the news came and my phone began ringing because. That's one of the things is I have so many, you know, I have so many friends and uh, people that I love. And so my phone began buzzing and people began talking about it. And for me, there's at least, uh, there's one young man. Um, he's like a nephew to me. I've known him since he was a child. Uh, he, he and his brothers went through my youth ministry before. That is an actual dancer. Uh, he is a performer at the club. And so he ran through my mind. I have an ex-girlfriend who is consistently um, there because her sister works there. And so people began to run through my mind as soon as I heard the news and then my phone started buzzing. So just like everyone else, I did what everyone else did. I started reaching out to find out, you know, are these people okay? Um, we finally got in, we finally got um, word back um, about Andrew that he was actually performing that night. He was one of the performers that the police removed the air conditioned vent that was able to get out through the side of the dressing room. Um, and then the other two people that I was concerned about, luckily, thank God, they were both out of town. So it was very hard for me even that morning to go and um, to preach, to teach the youth, because my mind was so consumed as to, you know, the carnage that was still happening, the reports were still coming in, and, um, you know, kind of going through that. But one of the things that by that night, we still did not have a full awareness of what was going on. But we did call together to do what we should do as ministers of the gospel, as people in the church, which is when we don't know what to do, when we don't know what to say, we pray. And so that night was probably the first vigil that happened um, to pray. And I noticed one that one of the things that began to strike me was this vigil took place in in, in Joan High School which is, of course, in the heart of what would be considered the black community here in Florida. Um, what, what took me by surprise a little when that vigil happened was I noticed, I, I pulled up and I just expected 
the parking lot to be full. I expected the room to be full, um, and it wasn't. It was probably about half full, and this was a call. My pastor, uh, Pastor Reva Timms, is my pastor, and she came, and there were a few other pastors from the community that came out, but the room was not full as I expected it to be. And for me, that was the first sign that I began to realize that our community was not really connecting with this tragedy. And um, as I began to walk through the next few days, I began to kind of watch the news <laughs> and watch the community and watch how things were playing out. And I did realize that the black community was not was not really connecting to this tragedy. But not only that, the black those of African American descent in the LGBT community were not really connecting with their community outside. And so even at that event that night, there were two representatives from the LGBT community that came and spoke, but they were from um, predominantly white organizations. And so they came to embrace the community, but it was from the other side. And so I began to kind of watch this pattern emerge um, because one of the things that I think I shared on the other day is that there has been a lot of perception given as to the work of ministers when it comes to this cause. But please understand that those of us who love people, not those of us who love attention, but those of us who love people, you won't see us trying to run in front of the cameras. And so that's why you won't see us on TV, because I tell people all the time, I'm in it for the cause, not for the applause. Mm. Even that that's my heart. I'm not in it for the applause of the people. God has called me to do something. He's called me to serve people, and that does not require for everyone to know. There are so many things that I have to do that require confidentiality because I'm dealing with people's souls. And so some of the reasons you did not see some of these ministers was because they didn't have time to get in front of the camera. They were at the hospital. They were in the Hampton Inn. My father in the faith, Apostle V.W. Jones, he is a crisis. He's a licensed crisis chaplain. So he got the call from the county at when this stuff began to happen because some of these ministers are licensed chaplains. And so they got the call immediately and were deployed into the hospitals, were deployed into the um, Hampton Inn, which was the first crisis center that they set up. And he had been there literally all day because I remember I was so touched by when he called me that night just to check on me because I, I could tell he was exhausted. He'd been mm. there all day. But there's a second component that a lot of people are not also understanding. One of the problems that a lot, and it's not a problem, it's just a fact of reality, it was Latin night. So because it was Latin night, a lot of the families don't speak English. Oh. So as we've been ministering, we, we we haven't been able to reach as many families, not because of a lack of our love, but because of a lack of being able to speak their language. Okay, <laughs> and, you know, I get that. We, we've had to rely on translators, and you know, so we so we would love to reach forty nine families, but the truth is, we can't really communicate with all forty nine of them because they don't speak English. Some of them don't speak English. Um, and so that's where some of us fell back, not out of a lack of love, but so that we can now support our Hispanic brothers and sisters in ministry to go and minister. 
but we were still present. We were still, um, you know, some of us on Friday, I told you the other day, there was another pastor and I, we, you know, that we were down in front because people were still going in front of the um, polls um, trying to get close just to mourn that we, we're supporting people. But the perception and what we've been seeing even um, at these different vigils is our community is not connecting with this. And it's because the focus has been on the Latin night, but there was all types of people in there. Absolutely. And that is something that I've been pushing. Um, you know, we, 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 we support every community, but there was not just Latin people in there. Um, I believe it was six, uh, six or seven of the victims were African-American. But we have not seen, to me, um, the black gay activists really stand up and say, let's stand behind, let's stand beside the activists and understand that these these families need ministry, but we also need the clergy to support us. And that's because, you know, let's be real. Whenever there comes an issue of homosexuality in the church, everyone throws stones at the black church. Hmm. And the crazy thing to me. Well, I and I and one of the things that I will do um, when you say I wonder why that is, I will take complete ownership. For there have been some crazy, vile, disgusting things that have come across pulpits in the black church in the past. We have not known how to deal with this issue. We are still learning how to deal with this issue, and so because of that, there has been hurt. There has been trauma. There has been that that thing that costs rifts. Um, you know, as you know, as you've seen on my page, one of my biggest, biggest ministries right now is to reconcile families. We're called by the gospel, not by choice, but God has called us to ministers of reconciliation. And so that is where a new creature comes from because it comes from the scripture that talks about being a minister of reconciliation. And so that is what I like to consider myself, a minister of reconciliation, because I believe in helping reconcile people, bring people back together. We don't need this issue to divide our families, but we have, and a lot of it has been religiously based. Um, but we, one of the things that I believe is when things like this happen, it is a wake-up call for us all to begin to examine ourselves and say, okay, where do I stand and where am I going? And the concern for my heart has been I see us going back down the same path that separates us more while other communities are going down a path that unifies them. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I think that, um, you know, it's, it's, I think it, well, in terms of why the leaders of the black LGBTQ community um, are not more visible I don't have an answer for that. I, I really don't have an answer for that. And um, it could be, it could be in part because of the same um, block that you, you all are facing in terms of the language barrier. Mm-hmm. That, could, that could be a part of it. Um, I hope that's not the answer, though, because um, a hug speaks volumes. You know what I mean? So I hope that that, you know, whatever the issue is, that that um, it gets reconciled and, and people can move forward and, and reach out to these families. If they're not doing so, 
in some way that maybe you and me are, are, you know, we don't know about. And I don't know how strong of a, how much of a, a, a black LGBT leadership community there is. You know what I mean? I, I don't live that way. So I don't, I mean, down there. So I don't, I don't really know, but I will say this. Um, if you are being bullied and put down and cast aside and led astray and, you know, made to feel terrible by one person or one entity for your entire life. And then one day they decide to reach out to you. It's really difficult for most people to accept that extended hand and trust that it is well-meaning. There has to be a lot of work in order to mend the hurt that, you know, actually has been caused by the black church to the people who need the black church the most, you know, which is just the black people. And it's not just, it's not just the LGBT community either that the, the black church or the church, let me just stop saying the black church, mm-hmm. but but I'm 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 focusing more so on, on the black church because I'm black. And those that's the churches that I went to when I went. Um and and those are the messages that I got from the black church or the messages that told me early on that there was no place for me in that edifice. And made me question whether or not there was room for me in God's heart. Um, So it wasn't until I was grown and I found um, Jesus on my own that I I came to understand that God loved me and created me just the way I am now. I also, you know, just have to preface that by saying that I wasn't a church girl. I wasn't I wasn't raised up in the church, but I did go from time to time. And when I did go, um, I, I got these messages, these negative messages about who I am. And um, from my friends or people that I knew who were going to church all the time. And I, it's so funny because I, I always loved the music, you know. It's something that always pierced me. And um, when one of my friends got saved, she was actually able to teach me how to pray when I was I was very young. I was about 12 years old at the time. And I think that was the beginning of my connection with God and my understanding that God is real. I'll, I'll put that part. And then later on, hearing that there's no place for me, and then me coming back full circle and, and looking at the church. And, and again, I have to say the black church because it's the only churches I was visiting. There has to be a lot of, a lot more, but due to the damage that was done. And, you know, I, I'm just saying that not just from a personal perspective, but for so many people, I, I actually, my partner and I, we had, um, we created a CD 
a gospel music CD because one day it was just put upon my heart to start writing songs and not even a I wait until we talk behind the scenes because this is not about me. <laughs> but anyway, as a result of the CD and I started getting some some um popularity, um people would write to me, inbox me and email me about asking me to help them to find a church or asking me how is it that how how did I come to understand that God actually loved me because the message that they were getting from their churches is that God wouldn't love them and couldn't love me. So I'm like, well, what what church are you going to? You know, like you have to find a church that that is about love because uh, that's not a loving message. And you know the I don't want I don't want to we could spend hours here um actually talking and I'm sure once you and I get to know each other we will but I, I guess I'm saying all this just to say is that you know I'm one of those hurt people but I also see that there are a lot of black churches that are opening their hearts and their doors to people of the LGBT community to all different types of people. Um, so there is change coming. And um, there are people like you who are standing up and making it plain that God is love and love is for everybody. And you know, it's, you, you, what you're talking about right now, we really need leaders. And that's where the challenge comes. We cannot as leaders continue to throw rocks at each other and back up and then expect the people to come together. We have to lead the people in coming together by showing it ourselves. And for that, you know, even as you were talking about the um, black community and the black churches and someone like myself, I go to a church that is one of the biggest churches here in Orlando. Um, my pastor is very well known across the nation. But we have several people that come to our church. I don't even know how many, to be quite honest, because we don't take a poll. But I know some of the people that come to our church that are LGBT. Um, one young lady, she's been in our church for, I was actually talking to her the other day. She's been there for four years. Uh, she just got married, and she has been there for four years. And I was talking to her the other day because our stance on homosexuality has never changed as a church, as, a, as my pastor. But then the other thing, like I tell people is, what pastor stands in the pulpit for 52 weeks out of the year talking about sexuality? There is so much more to the gospel than somebody's sexuality. And so if there's something that you don't agree with a pastor about, you don't agree. But my biggest message, and that's why I said united, one love, my biggest message for families, for ministries, for everything, for everyone, is that love does not require agreement. It requires commitment. And for me, going through the process myself, and it's kind of funny because my sister happened to stop by as I was getting ready to do this, and she was just messing with me. Um, my older sister came out to me probably about 14 years ago. Um, sexuality has never been something that has stopped me because one of the things that I tell people all the time is that my commitment has always been that this is my sister. That's the love that we have. We have agreed and we have disagreed theologically, philosophically. But what sisters don't? 
just in the nature of being sisters, we're going to disagree. So why let this one issue be the issue that causes us to have to end our sisterhood? And so sometimes people, in fact, my sister a couple years ago, she and I were on a panel at a church together. And it kind of upset me because she knows I had to call some people before I went in to the church because there was one pastor that as we were in the green room gathering, he started saying some things to my sister that I thought were a little left, and I was about to get him right because yeah. you don't come at my sister because at the end of the day, first of all, sister, you don't come at her like that. Second of all, she's here. You don't get to disrespect her while she's here. But here's the problem. He was one of six ministers. All the other ministers showed her respect, showed her love, was so happy that she came to talk. People were so excited to see my sister and I, who seemed to be what people would call a complete opposite end of the spectrum. But we were on the panel together, joking around together, because that's what we do with sisters. My heart is is to see more opportunities like that where we can start pushing forth the image that says, hey, I don't agree with this person on this issue. But you know what? After church, you go to your church. If your church believes that, you can come to my church if you're okay because we're still going to love you. We're welcoming because, in my opinion, there is no difference. If a church does not believe homosexuality is a sin, chances are they believe that fornication is a sin. Well, guess what? They probably have some people shacking up, heterosexual couples shacking up. So if the heterosexual couple can come with their shacking up self and with Tom, Dick, and Harry and everybody, and she can still come to church and listen to pastor preach against fornication, and pastor will say it's a sin, they can still come and sit under that message. I believe the reason they can come is the same reason we can all go to the cross. Because at the end of the day, it's all about love. Jesus knew we were imperfect, that we were imperfect. Jesus himself with humans up until he got on that cross. He said, Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. He knew we were unperfect. But his love for us with all of our sins, with all of our flaws, was still unconditional to the point that he got on that cross and sacrificed himself. And so to me, if we're really going to be Christian, that is how we have to follow the example of being Christ-like, which is that if my conviction is that somebody is in sin, it's not my place to stand and judge their sin because God himself is the ultimate judge. It is my place to come and love just like Jesus loved and the cross to where I sacrifice myself because I'm a Christian and I'm following his example. And if we can begin to do that, we can unify our families, but we can't do it if everyone's just lobbying. And some of them I say, like, things that you heard 10 years ago, you're blaming me for. That's not my thought. But if we can begin to start the conversations where we come together, because it's so funny, you know, one of the biggest Christian magazines out there is Charisma and C and CBN and the 700 Club. And I'm telling people, I don't want to be on the 700 Club right now. I don't need to be in Charisma right now because my ministry is not needed there. I will feel like God is opening doors for me when I'm in the advocate. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. You know what? I want to thank you so much for coming on. Um 
and we will continue this discussion for sure. Um, yes. Everybody, I want you to listen out for, um, start listening to Sunday Evening Shout, which is the gospel music show that I have on Sunday evenings. I'm not sure if we're going to be able to broadcast tomorrow because I will be spending time with my earthly father celebrating Father's Day in New York City. But I'm going to try to get back in time to um, celebrate with you all on Sunday evening shout. Um but, uh, Minister, I will be inviting you back, and I just want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing what you shared. Um, you gave gave me, personally, a lot to think about. So thank you so much, and, and please come back again. All right. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. And right now I'm going to play a quick song, and we're going to come back with our, our other special guest today, Miss Stacy. Branchet. I love that name. I love that name. This song right here goes out to all my brothers and sisters all across the land. No matter what you're going through, you got to keep your head up. Because God is with you. God is with you. Troubled world that I see every day through my so beautiful God.
Yes, and that's a new joint by Faith Evans, Kelly Price, and Jessica Reedy. You're listening to WJBR Internet Radio, Brunch in the Basement with Javon. And I am extremely excited right now. Woo! Been waiting for this all week to have an opportunity to interview this lovely, lovely lady who actually I've read that she is not just Stacy Branche, and I hope I'm saying the name right, but she is Dr. Stacy Branche. She's the author of a new book, Relationships and the Things We Don't Talk About. Not only is she an author, but she's also a motivational speaker, an actress, a songwriter, and singer with a vocal style born through study of the emotional nuances of Minnie Ripperton, Diana Washington, and Ella Fitzgerald. She's combined that knowledge with the influence and inflections of her work with Stevie Wonder, her Albert, Albert, excuse me, and the emotions to bring her distinctive style full circle. And let me just say that I am not a lover of covers. I don't like covers, especially if people are covering my favorite music. It, it annoys me. Leave the, the originals alone. However, however, every cover I've heard done by this lady, I actually freaking love. I mean, Pillow Talk, which I was a little girl, little, little, little thing, shouldn't even have been probably listening to that song when it came out in the 70s, but I loved it instinctively. That should tell you a lot about my personality from then up until today. And Love, 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 oh my God. And I just... um heard that she had done a remake of, of a song by Sergio Mendez, which is one of my favorites as well. So we also have some musical taste in common and the influences that were noted in her biography. I mean, you know, those are also some of my favorite singers. So with that, enough said from me. I'm going to let the lady speak for herself. Welcome to the show, Dr. Stacey Franchet. How are you? Hi. I'm good, oh, thank my. you. How are you? I'm fabulous. I am groovy. I'm so in the groove right now. Let me just tell you that when I saw the video Pillow Talk and heard your your rendition of the song I was blown completely away. I was like, who is this lady? Why don't I know her? Why isn't she in my iPod, which you clearly are now? And um, ah, thank you. Absolutely. I'm like, where has she been all of my music listening life? So ah. I, I'm just, I, I just have to let you know, you know, and I'm, I'm really, really particular about the music that I listen to, you know, because that's time spent. So when it, you know, gets into your spirit, you know, so that's so, right. And and how 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 long have you been singing? Like, when did you realize that you had this voice? I think I came out of the womb <laughs> like that. I've always <laughs> sang as long as I can remember. I've always been a singer. Yeah. Wow. 
when did you first realize that other people enjoyed your singing? Um, I don't know that I realized that people enjoyed it, but as a kid, I would make people watch me, you know, like the, uh, that little clip in the beginning of Eddie Murphy, I think it's Eddie Murphy's raw and he's entertaining yeah. his family with a joke. That was me. I was like, yeah, I would stand on, uh, my grandmother had this, um, mantle that, um, it was maybe two inches off the ground, but it was like a little, you know, when you're five, it's a stage. And so that was my, that was my stage. And I would stand, I don't even know if people were in there half the time. I would just stand on my mantle and do my thing. So <laughs> that was uh, the, I don't know, it's not the mantle. It would be the, the footing, I guess, the fireplace footing. So, yeah, I would stand there and, and do my thing. Wow. Wow. And, and what? At what age did you get your first um, stage opportunity? Um, in elementary school. In elementary school. I don't have a, you have to forgive me. I don't, I don't, how can I, I want to say this so it doesn't sound really cold, but. Okay. I don't. I don't retain the past very well, not because it's, I have good memories. And so I'm not saying I don't remember anything, but maybe, and it could be maybe I've had enough good memories that I don't, you know, take something really special to stick out, but I don't, I'd like to use my brain capacity for learning new things and not holding on to the old things. So um, I don't remember my, my childhood at that level. I remember singing in the fifth grade an inappropriate song at an assembly, and I got suspended. And it was inappropriate because of my age, not because the song was really inappropriate. Well, maybe it was. Like, now that I'm older and I know what the lyrics are saying, it might have been inappropriate, but who cares? Um, But Uh, in junior high... uh I'm just curious about what that song was. What? what? It was Touch Me in the Morning. Uh Ah, That, that's it a beautiful song. It was probably uh, right, but now, because we're adults. But as a kid, right. I guess it was an inappropriate. Anyway, I got I got suspended, and wow. um, it's the only thing I, I ever got suspended for. Um, and then um, I kind of love that. I in junior, in junior high, I think the first time anybody really paid attention to me, I sang "My Guy" in one of our. Um, I was in obviously in the choir, so um, we would do. I don't know what they call it, the spring fling or something. And in the seventh or eighth grade, I did my guy, um, my portion of the 50s. And it was my first real solo. And that was, even to this day, the kids I went to, well, the the people, the adults now that I went to high school, junior high and high school with, still bring up my guy. Like, that was, I think, when everybody paid attention to me. It would be probably the seventh or eighth grade when I did my guy. That's great. That's great. So, okay, let's fast forward then. I don't I don't want to, you know, bring up, you know. You can like, ask anything you want. If I remember yeah. it, I'll answer it. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, I'm just always fascinated by stories and you get, I get to know a better sense of people when I hear about that little child that they were because they're still a part of that child inside of us, I believe. And so, oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I, I just I just like to get to know my guests because um, I have a lot of frequent flyers, you know, and I like I just like to get right. to know 
which is why which is why I do the show, you know, um, not just to bring good music to to the masses and to promote what you do, but you know, this is a way that I get to know each each and every um, artist that comes through. But um, when did you start recording music? And I, I I want you to know that I've also been looking at some of your motivational um, videos. Your coaching videos, oh, okay. uh, the relationship right. videos, which um, I want to talk about that too, but the music is what struck me first, and so that's why uh-huh. I'm kind of dwelling right there for a minute. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You dwell wherever you like. I am multifaceted, so I understand, you know, we only have an hour, so talk about whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> okay. Groovy. So, so when did you start recording? I started recording at 18. I got a record deal right out of high school. I was signed to Bouvier MCA Records and started um, recording. Um, at, yeah, at 18, my first album came out when I was 19 or 20. Um, wow. I guess I was 20. Uh, I obviously, I am, you know, the record industry's changed a lot. And so I used to be able to kind of tell my story as a warning story, but I don't know that I would tell it that way now um, because how we distribute and sell music and how it's all very different. But all of those horror stories you would hear about young girls or anyone in the industry kind of happened to me. Um, but for me, I could sit and dwell on the negative, but the positive of what came from it was, um, I released my music, and I was led to believe that my music didn't do that well here in the States. So I actually sat my – forgive me, my my puppy's very noisy. Um, I kind of – I sat out the re- remainder of my contract, stopped, didn't sing. I, I'd sing around town a little bit, but kind of moved on into um, – I went to cosmetology school, and it's how I ended up in the film industry doing makeup because I – thought I wasn't going to sing again. And then technology changed and we had the internet and iTunes. And so I decided to start releasing music under my own label. When I first did that, I found out that I was actually very famous in Europe Mm. and all because of the internet, all because of the internet. If I, if there had been no internet, I would never know. I started finding all these articles on me and I, I mean, I would do interviews with people, and they're like, what does it feel like to be a cult classic? And I'm like, how many records did I sell? Like, because I've never gotten paid. So wow. I, um, so it, it, it's, you never know. It's sort of like if you've ever seen what love got to do with it, it's sort of like when Tina's in court and she says, hey, you know, just give me my name. Well, the one right. thing I have is I, I'm Stacy Branch. And so now I can call DJs in Europe and be like, hey, I got a new record. And they'll play it. And they'll interview me. And I get so much love overseas. And I get no love here, which is amazing. But I get a lot of love overseas. No, we're going to have to do something about that. We are going to have to. Yeah. We have to do something about that. See, and, and this is the other reason why I do the show. I mean, I, I do have people who are well-known here, you know, come on the show. But um, good music, man, it's, it's not that um, accessible. I mean, it's accessible if you listen to the old stuff. There's good music 
that's being produced now and people are not hearing it. And I, you know, all I have is, is this show for now and I'm hoping to right, right. expand, but I'm going to bring good music. It has to be solid. You know, it has to be solid. I can't, I can't do that other stuff, but, um, Matter of fact, let let me um because I feel like I'm stuttering a little bit. Um, oh no, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah, but that's only because um your your story it, it actually touches me in a particular way. I, I get a little angry, <laughs> I guess. You know, I got some anger issues. No, I, I really don't. But maybe I do. <laughs> but. Um, I I just, you know, there's no reason why you shouldn't be as popular here as you are over there. And it's here I'm not. Well, I'm not on a major label. I am on my own label. That's one. So I don't have the machine and the machine's money to push me here. Whereas in Europe, it really is just about music. So if you have good music, they don't, you don't have to pay to play. And it's not about who you're connected to. They just want the music. So if they like it, they'll play it. Here, there's the politics, and right. the politics are very real. You know, unless you, like now, what I don't like about m- music today is that there's really no, like people always ask me, when am I going to do another record? I'm like, I can't afford another record. That's the reality. I mean, yeah. you spend ten to $20,000 to do a record, and I've got the cream of the top musicians, and I try to do a great product, but if you're not selling records because it's on YouTube or people are downloading it and they're sharing it, whatever else is going on, because so many people are giving away music, it makes it really, really hard. And it's not, it, it is going to get harder for us to hear quality music because it's getting harder for people to do it. It is yeah. as wonderful as, as we, as much as we appreciate it and love it, it's a labor of love and it really becomes an expensive hobby. So unless you have another source of income and you just want to do a record, it's really hard to do it. Cause if you're not part of the machine, you're, you know, you're kind of ass out. And, and unfortunately the machine wants the garbage they want. Yeah. The, I, I. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm going to say this, and I try. I try to be very positive, and I don't like to criticize others. But the other day, I had the radio on, and I very rarely have the radio on because I can't take it. Um, and I heard one sentence for five minutes, and I. Yeah. And I'm sitting here going, had by somebody off key, and I'm just going, I don't get it. Like I can't yep. get. I can't get on the radio, and yet you're giving me five minutes of a sentence. I couldn't, I don't understand. So yeah. as long as the, in, in the, mach, the machine is making stars of, I'm sorry, marginal talent. And so you've got to, I mean, half of these people, you aren't, you don't remember the song a month later, you aren't going to be talking about them next year. And that, that really is true. I and mean, there's a bunch of people I heard of two years ago, and I couldn't tell you one of their songs. And so that's not a hater. That's nothing like that. It's just the reality Whereas the music you play and the music we're discussing, real music, quality music, had stories. It touched you. That's why we're still listening to For the Love of You by the Isley Brothers 40 years later. Why we're still playing Earth, Wind, and Fire. Why we're playing Prince. Why we're playing Michael Jackson. Because those songs touched us. It was good music. It was a story, a story you could relate to. 
they don't even tell stories now. It's just, you know, one sentence and then yep. some words that rhyme. And I, you know, what are you talking? I don't even know what you're talking about. So how can I like it? I, I can't connect to it. And that's what music is. Music is an emotion. It's a feeling. That's why it drives you. And unfortunately, if you look at, at our um, music today, one of the saddest things is that, and I'm, I'm going to be, a, I'm going to touch on a really delicate subject, but it's something that really bothers me. Um, we, as, as people of color, I don't care what term you want to use, African-American, black, whatever, we have, we are such a rich and beautiful culture, and we have allowed the world to take our culture. And so when you look at the awards now, R&B is Justin Timberlake. And Can you there's it? no one in the category. And, and here's the thing, though. They've taken our music, our dance, our clothes, our style. You've got, uh, you know, I don't even know his name, the little white rapper, the best, R&B, the best rap record, so we have allowed other people to take our culture, and we don't own it. And so that's where we, where we are at fault, because we were the storytellers, and we stopped telling stories. And so you have a whole bunch of very creative people right now that are very discouraged because they have no way to tell their stories, because you've got people like me who will sit and say, I can't afford a record. You know, how do I put a, how do I, how do I compete in this market when the major labels won't even talk to me? Because if I'm not bouncing around wearing no clothes, talking about nothing, no one wants to talk to me. And that's so it's a very, it is. And it's, and it's insane because we are very slowly being taken out of history and we don't even see it. Like it's something I I really noticed the other day. I was like, I I don't understand. If you look at all the awards, we're not even there anymore. Like they paid tribute to to Lionel Richie, and there wasn't a black face on stage. I mean, maybe John Legend was there. I don't remember, but I remember thinking there wasn't one brown artist that could come sing. There wasn't one. Like it, I just remember being so insulted by that. Or even the Prince tribute, Madonna. Really? Exactly. That's who that, you chose? Was, that was a slap in That's the face. That's who you chose? But that was, the comment that yeah. Linda Perry, the, the comment that Linda Perry made is that there was no brown person relevant. That is the bigger problem. Well, how yeah. are we not even relevant in the business? How, what? What? Is, I'm sorry. You know, do we need another Barry Gordy or Andre Harrell or we need somebody to just go get their money and stop worrying about the wretchedness and say, Hey, I'm going to bring real music back. Um, I can't remember his last name, so I don't want to say it correctly, but incorrectly, but I think it's Kadar Masterson. Or, I, I can't, I don't know if he ever had a label. I don't know his history. All I know is he's had an amazing artist and he produces Joe. I think Joe is signed to him and Chico DeBarge. And there was a nice little run maybe four years ago. And none of those records saw the light of day. And I think it's because he didn't have enough of the machine behind him, but he always puts out, his artists always put out amazing uh, records. And, um, and I, I apologize for not having his name in my head correctly as I say that, but um, 
there are people out there. We're just, we're just getting shut down. So I, you know, I, I, I don't want to bash Beyonce, but it would take an artist of her level um, to put out a real record. <laughs> and then, and I don't want the beehive on me because I'm sorry, I, I, I'm making a point. <laughs> um, I, I think if she did a real R&B record, it would make it hip again. It's going to take an artist of that level to make it the hip thing to do. And then it'll be hip again. But until someone of that magnitude does a record, does a great real record, it's not going to happen. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. And sometimes getting an artist of that, at that level to be upset with you, gets you a little attention. And you take that and run with it, and I don't know. But I agree with you, and um, a lot of what you said is is right on point. And I want to give um, people an example of your music if they don't know what we're talking about. So I'm going to play When It Takes All. How's that? Sure. Okay, let's play. It's only two minutes long, so because I want to get right back to you. So you just hold on and everybody okay. check this out. But before before um, I play it, I just want to get, get back to actually your point being that, and this is something that I say on each and every show, to those listeners that love music, and I'm sure that's why you're listening to the show. You love, I guess, listening to interviews and you love music because that's what we do here. Um, please... Do not rip off the music from YouTube and those other free ways of obtaining music because when you rip off the music, you're ripping off the artist and you're making it impossible for a true artist to make a living. So please, please use your 99 cents and go download the song. 99 cents makes a statement. Stand up for what you believe in. So that you don't fall for just anything. You're listening to WJBR Internet Radio Brunch in the Basement with Javon and Stacy. Got my eye on the prize, and no doubt I'm gonna win it. Everything I think I know, but I won't give up until I get it. Cause you think you're gonna win it How you start is how you're gonna end it You can't start thinking Yeah. 
you're gonna end it You can start thinking slow Cause the winner takes Yes, yes. When it takes all, that's beautiful. It's simple. It's true. It's jazz. It's R and B. It's all that good stuff. You can tell the, oh, the thank influences. You. Um, so let's talk about a little bit about who um, are some of your musical influences and I why. I would say okay. Um, Stevie, Stevie, Marvin, Mimi. Um, Stevie and Marvin, because they do concept albums, uh, they did concept records and I very much, um, I don't really like to do a record unless I have something to say. And I like to tell a story. I like it to thread as a novel. So, um, and when I write, it's very much what I'm going through or have gone through my feelings. So my songs all come from someplace. And so something else I wanted to point out, the other reason why my music is expensive for me to do is because I don't use beats. There are no samples. Everything I on my records is people playing and people right. cost money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they do. Say that. People they cost do. money. Um, I, uh, um, I like to tell a story. Um, Minnie also did, I don't necessarily ever thought hers were concept records, but her songs are always, were always beautiful and told beautiful stories. Um, and, and because when I was younger, I studied classical and I thought I was going to be an opera singer. So I don't have a traditional R&B voice. I can't do Aretha. And, and so my journey was a lot like Minnie Riperton's in the sense that no one knew what to do with me because I didn't sound like Aretha. So, um, and many went through the same thing. People didn't know how to categorize you. And so I write very much like her because that's how my voice is. So I, I write like her. And so I, I would always say her. Um, she was kind of what let me know that I was okay, even though I didn't sing like Aretha. I love that. I love that because if, it, I mean, yeah. Minnie Ripperton to me, she, that's a singer. That's the singer. I mean, yeah. not, not obviously she is, but Minnie Ripperton had one of the most beautiful, most pure voices imaginable. She she was really like an angel. Um, yeah. I, I remember being a kid and and hearing Inside My Love and thinking mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that it was a purely spiritual song. You know, like just spirits. You know. And then later on, um, someone who's now a friend of mine, um, which this was probably uh-huh. no more than eight years ago, I saw her singing singing the song. She did a new rendition of the song, and I realized just how sexual it was. I was like, whoa, where's that come? Wait, how's she sexualizing many song? And then, you know, I listened to Inside My Love again, and, and then I got it. You know, I'm like, maybe I'm just a little slow. I don't know. I don't know. But um, I can I can feel that mellowness from you, the same kind of 
mellow spiritual thing that you get from many, and it's infused with a, a certain sensuality, um, which really caught my attention when when I listened to Pillow Talk, which is why um, I just had to have you on the show to begin with. So I also ah, wanted to ask you, you. yeah, what made you um, re- remake um, Pillow Talk? What, what was it about that song? Um, I don't really remember how the Pillow Talk came about. I think it's because this is going to sound horrible. Um, I thought I could just do it. Sylvia was limited by the time. Like that was yeah. a very racy song in its time. And it's got this really kind of odd pace for what she's saying. And I, I can't repeat what I actually told the band when we played it, but I basically was like, I want people to want to get their groove on when they hear this, not party. Like, you know, if you want to party too, that's cool. But it was really about what she was saying. She, you know, she wasn't, if you ever listen to the original, it's really, really fast. Yeah. And I think it was because at that time she was saying something that you didn't want anybody to focus on. You know, it was, it was a, it was an interesting song for its time. And so I think she had to do that, but I was like, this is a different story than I want to tell this story. I want to, do this song so um I love it and I always I always liked it like even as a kid I always liked the song and it wasn't until I recorded it that I actually learned the real lyrics because you know like all of us we make up the lyrics we make up what we think (laughs) they're saying (laughs) so I yeah I got to learn the lyrics and I was like oh no she's saying this well we got to slow this down so that was kind of um where it came from so I also want and you I to thought know. And I it would be a cool cover. Yes, it, well, it, it certainly was, and you you did exactly what you intended to do because I was like, whoa, why am I feeling some kind of way? Hey, hold up, wait, somebody redid something to this song. We got uh, we got to share this with the world. Um, just so that you know, there is a full bank of callers, people, but people are not pressing one. So if you would like to say hello to Stacy, if you have a question. You can press one, and I will bring you on the air to ask her a question, to say hello, or whatever it is that you'd like to talk about. Um, so people did wake up, Stacey, to, to, to listen to, to oh, what you had to say. Well just, just so that you know, they're, they're there. You can't see them, but I certainly can. Um, and I, I have to share that song with them, if that's okay with you, Pillow Talk. Oh, please, please do. Please okay, do. now, everybody, hold on to something because this is hot like fire get your glass of water hurry up okay here we go
speechless. <laughs> just. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. thank you. Yep. I have nothing to say after that. Thank you. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. It's beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> Oh, that, I'm just, I'm just, yep, that's it for me. Thank you. Thank you yeah. so, so now, let's talk about relationships and okay. How is it that um you began talking about relationships and decided to become a motivational speaker, a relationship coach, and your book. How did all of this come about? Um, the, the kind of abridged version of this is um, <clears throat> I had had back surgery um, back sort of at the beginning of my space. And um, I was laying in bed. And if anyone's ever had back surgery, you're kind of stuck in the bed for 30 days. And I started blogging, which I had no idea what I was doing, but I started blogging. And for whatever the reason, People started paying attention, and so that's where the blog started coming from. I didn't start doing the quotes till more recently, but that's where the blogs came from. And then people kept saying, oh, you should do books. So I wrote one book in 2009. Um, it's on how you look at it, thoughts and questions about life. And what I noticed that my relationship blogs were kind of taking off, and people always seem to want to talk to me about relationship stuff and I seem to keep hearing the same and having the same kind of conversations. So one of the things I noticed is that people were really struggling to figure out how to have better relationships. But the main thing I noticed is that we all learn the same destructive patterns, which get in the way of us having better relationships. And so the first thing was trying to address the bad patterns and correcting those so that we could achieve what it was we wanted to achieve. And it's not just our romantic relationships, it's our friends, it's our family. There's a lot of really negative patterns that we all learn that we continue, we perpetuate them and we teach them to our kids. And we see them on TV, we see them with our parents, we see them with our friends, and everybody's doing the same thing and then they want to know why everything is not working. And so that was what made me decide to write the book was to maybe shine a light on the things that we needed to maybe work on to achieve what we want to achieve. Okay. Wow. Um, wow. So, and it's, it's taken off. It's, uh, well, I haven't really, I've kind of lightly announced it, but yes, it is starting to, um, people are, are starting to read it and talk about it and, seeming to find a lot of help with it. So that's a good thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So where can people purchase the book? Um, the book is available at stacybranch.com. And for those that don't know how to spell my name, it's S-T-A-C-Y-E-B-R-A-N-C-H-E.com and um, my, or on amazon.com as well. Okay, cool. And um, it's so funny because I've been pronouncing your name Branche, trying to make it, you know, like I don't that, know. That, I no, that, that, yeah. that is actually no, no, no. You're right. That's the correct spell. The correct way to pronounce my name would be Branche, but 
because most people can't say it. And if, they, if you've heard the way my name has been butchered, I found it easier to say Stacey Branson and people just work with that. Okay. But I, I, I think they, you know, they will kill my name. But your name is what your name is, man. You know, people have to respect that. It's special. Sure. Oh, it is. But I'm so I'm so cool. I don't really care what it is as long as you know who I am. <laughs> right? Just call my name. <laughs> I just call my so, name. I'm good. Like I, I, I asked Luther Vandross the same question once. I said, Is it Vandross or Vandross? He said, I don't care as long as the check's cash. And there you go. And that's how I feel. So just spell it correctly on the check. I get that. That's so, right. That's right. So I'm not going to allow us to just skip over the fact that you had a discussion with Luther Vandross. Did, did you have an opportunity to, him? I mean, like to sing with him? No, 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 no. We, um, I, I've had many careers and done many things in my life. Um, I used to work at A&M Records and um, Luther recorded there for a very long time. And so I'd seem to run into him every all the time. I, like I'd be outside, he was getting out of his car, and so finally we just started talking. And he'd say, "Come on in the studio and hang out." And so became friends with him and Marcus Miller. And um, he was a lovely man. And you know, because at that point I wasn't singing, and so I never said I was a singer. I just he was just nice to me, and I'd go talk to him. So um, and I used to, uh, but while I was there. Somehow they found out I sang, and I ended up, I worked for Herb Alpert, and I actually ended up singing on two or three of his songs on his North or North on South Street album. So um, I just, I'm, one of, I'm, I'm a yes person. I believe that when you move through life fearlessly, that amazing things happen to you. And because I was fearless living and still am, I end up in the most unusual places doing the most, un, I have, some amazing stories. This is why we say I don't really hold the past. You know, it's weird. I might see somebody and go, oh, my God, that night in 1982 and we did blah, blah, blah. But it's, I have a lot of stories like that where I just I meet people. And because the other day I ran into Stevie Wonder, I've known Stevie for years, and I sang with Stevie. And, um, but my friend's like, how do you know Stevie? I said, girl, I, I mean, I've known Stevie for 25 years. I don't know. <laughs> I just... You know, it's kind of just one of those things. So, so you don't you don't even and I, think about I don't, and, you know, during this age of social media and everybody posts pictures, and I forget to even do stuff like that because some of these people I've known for so long and I'm friends with, I don't, I'll leave, I'll part ways with them and go, oh, man, I should have asked for a picture. But I don't think about that because I am more caught up in, are catching up, like, oh, have you talked to so-and-so, what you've been doing, you know, it's such a, it's a more real moment for me, so I'm, and I'm a little private with my friendships, I don't need to, I, I don't know, I don't need to put my life on display at that level, I know that they're my friends, you know, so <laughs> I'm cool I get that. that, I get that, I get yeah. that, yeah, this, this, I'm saying new age of um, social media, but it's not as I would like to make it seem. Um, it, it's really not as um, simple as it seems. You know, I try to tell people all the you know, don't limit your vision to what you see. You know, um, what you right. see your eyes. You know, vision has to be a lot broader than that. But um, you are just amazing. You are just oh amazing. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you. You really are. Just. 
you know, I, I think that I was very blessed to just be able to understand how precious life is. So I really do live every moment of it. And I always have, even as a kid. And I, um, I just, you know, as I said, I, I, I say yes to things very easily. Um, I mean, I have good judgment, don't get me wrong, but I, you know, I don't, I don't live in fear. So I don't go, Oh, if I do this, blah, blah, blah. I, I try not to do those things. I try to just have the experience. So sometimes people say, what are you doing tomorrow? And I'm like, tell them not a tomorrow yet. I'm trying to get through today. Cause I don't know what I'm doing today. I just, you know, I mean, I have plans, obviously I knew I was going to talk to you, but I usually kind of just wake up and go with the day and I could end up anywhere. I mean, I could end up in another country in a couple of hours. So I wouldn't, and it would not phase me if that's if that's how the day went. You know, as long as nothing's scheduled, I'm like, oh yeah, let's do that. So um, I've had a lot of fun. I've had I've had a lot of fun. Consider yourself to be a free spirit. Is would that be a nice way to? Um, yeah, describe? I would say so. I'm a, I'm a I'm a bit of a free spirit. I would say that. And you sound yeah. like a happy person as well. Um, yeah, I am. I, I am. I like for sure to be unhappy. I don't do, I don't do unhappy. I really don't. And I don't do drama. I, I don't, I will literally walk away from people. I don't do drama. I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to threaten you. I'm not yelling at you. I will just be like, oh no, I can't talk to you anymore. And I'll walk away. I don't, I don't do, I don't do accusatory. I'm very like, you know, I like to have rational. My books are very real. It's really, if anyone's ever read my books or you read my blogs, that's really who I am. Everything is very um, peaceful for me. I can see the good and bad in every situation. I can find the positive in what looks like a negative situation. And I can understand someone else's point of view. It's not all about me. I understand that we're all here together. And I know, and one of the things I discuss in my relationships books is that that's one of our problems that, you know, we forget that we are all different. We've all had different teachers. So instead of getting mad at people, sometimes you just have to step back and understand they may not know different. They weren't raised like you. You know, Mm -hmm. they're mad about something that isn't a problem for you. And so it, it is really about just being peaceful in your own life and not trying to control everyone else and what they say and what they think and what they do. Only thing you have to concern yourself with is you and what you do. And as long as you're doing your best, everything else is going. Your life will work out for you, and the rest of what's supposed to be with you will be with you, and what won't will fall to the wayside. So true, true. Let's talk about your YouTube channel and the the videos mm-hmm. that you um, have there. Um, I love the little doggy, by the way. Very cute, very cute puppy. Oh, thank you, thank you, <laughs> and um. You, you know you're really real, and um, it, uh, there's a word that I'm looking for. Um, hmm. Um, uh, it's been it's been like this all day that I, I can't English for some reason, and that's my only language. Um, I guess I want to say that you're honest. You keep it real, and there's another word, but I can't think of it. Um, transparent. That's the word I'm looking for. I, I feel like you give um, a lot of yourself to the world here. Well, thank you. I, I, 
I just am doing me. That's the nicest thing I can, you know, the quickest way I could say it. I just, I just live my most authentic life. And like I said, people are going to like me or not. That's, and I can't, you know, do anything about that. Um, I, that's all you can ever do, you know, um, is live your, live your most honest life. I don't have anybody to impress but myself. And that's kind of how I, I'm kind of, um, I don't know, a hippie, a bohemic. I don't know. I, I'm very, um, even in, if you walk in my house, it's, it very much represents who I am. I'm very eclectic, but I don't claim anything. I'm not trying to be part of a tribe or part of a group. I'm just me. I do the things I like. I'm not trying to impress anybody. I don't have to have the newest, bestest, shiniest thing. Um, I, you know, I don't think those things make you happy. I I enjoy my family and my friends, and I, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of hard to describe yourself, but you know, without sounding, I guess, a little corny. But I'm. My life's kind of boring, actually. It's not really as exciting as as one might think. I don't go out a lot. I only go out if I really, really like people. I don't go out to be seen, um, which is why I don't post too many pictures because I don't do very much that anyone would care about. Or maybe I do. I don't think anybody would care, so I don't uh, share it. I don't know. Very interesting. It's just about... Yeah, it's just about living your be- it's about living your best life. That's all. It's just about living your best life and just loving you. I love me. I like me. So I'm cool with me. I don't have any, you know, I'm not striving to impress anyone. And I think that's where my peace comes from. To say that, uh, let me be so bold as to say that there's nothing boring about you. There's nothing corny about you either. You are so far. Well, from thank corny. you so much. You are completely not corny. So, yeah, you can oh. just, no, corny at all. No. Very, very hip. Well, thank you. Very mellow, very laid back, very much living in the groove. And, you know, it seems you're in a lot of place. You're in a place that a lot of people would like to be emotionally, which is a good thing. So, um. I, I, you know, I try to help people get to that place of just being okay with themselves, which is what I hope my blogs do to help people kind of work through um, whatever difficult times they're experiencing. And I hope to do that with my books as well to just help people. My goal is just to help everyone live their best life. And in, in my personal life and in my more public life, it's just to help others live their best. I mean, I think all of each one of us, our goal, we're here on this planet together. And I think that our goal is to love one another and help one another. We're all here to learn something. We're all, we're all the teacher and we're all the student. So we all have something to learn and we have something to share. And I think that's, that's how I live. I know that there are people here to teach me, and I know that I'm here to teach. And so I think that's what we, we have to come together and understand is that, yes, we're all different, but we have so much to learn from each other. And, and I think that's, that's at least important to me. Exactly. That's, that's very smart. So we're basically at the top. What I would like for you to do now 
in um, your social media contacts where you know people can follow you, follow, follow you on YouTube, and go to the website and download your book, which is what I will be doing as soon as the show is over. Um, my website is stacybranch.com, Stacy S T A C Y E B R A N C H E dot com. Um, Twitter Stacy Branch, Instagram Stacy Branch, uh, Google Chrome Stacy Branch, whatever, anything, whatever social network it is, I only use my name. I don't have any cool little uh, handle for myself. I'm just Stacy Branch. Period. That's it. Um, that's that. That's where I am across the board. Facebook, which is, Stacey Branch. Which is really cool because your name, like I say, it, it is very cool. I, I'm just going to call you Stacey Branch. No, but that's just me. That's fine. That's fine. Thank I you. will take that. I will take that. Thank you. Yes, yes. And after I've read the book, I'm going to get you and invite you to come back. I hope you had a good time. And I hope all the listeners, they were just as stunned as sitting there listening. Thing, I guess, because I mean, playing pillow talk, I really didn't want to talk anymore either. But you know, I think you know, ah. that song well, and this one too. I'm gonna play this song on out, and then again, like I said, after I, I've read the book, I'm gonna get into your an amazing interview and a great guest. You're just, I don't know, so talented. Uh. Or, Beautiful, brilliant, well, and a pleasure. Thank you so, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed the hour, and I thank you and continued success with your show. Thank you so very much. Thank and everybody, you. this and, is the time to listen. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> exactly. This, this is a song anyway, anywhere by Stacey Branchet. I love it. Loving, loving have you. A, have a good day. You do the same, sweetheart, and everybody else. Be safe and be good to
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.